It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You're listening to Legends Library. Now, here's your host, Lisa Mountain and Kyle Rollins. Hi, everybody. I'm Lisa. And I'm Kyle. And you're listening slash watching to Legends Library. We are a podcast dedicated to the Legends line of the Star Wars books and the expanded universe. And we have returned. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> uh we finally have managed to get Kyle back in the in the recording chair. He has been extremely busy with supernatural encounters, which he'll kind of give you guys an update about it. Um I've been personally uh I kind of vapor gassed myself recently, so I have been unable to talk for a little while and I'm still kind of living with the <laughs> the consequences. So you might hear it in the recording <clears throat> where my voice is a smidge different and i may not be able to breathe all the time <laughs> life is fun so <sighs> yeah so i i also do just wanted to give a quick little shout out to a friend of mine uh kyle you don't know him but he's one of our regular listeners my my friend pat who has been in the hospital um he went into a coma and broke his hip and has had a stroke and i just i you know, Pat, we're, we're all thinking of you, and I appreciate that you're always here. And when I went and visited in the hospital, he asked if we had made another new video. So I said, not yet, Pat, but so here we are today. So hi, hi to you, Pat. Get well. <laughs> Get well, Pat. So, Kyle, if you can give us a bit of an update on, on what's going on with Supernatural Encounters. Uh, um, well... It's at the presses, so party time! Woo! Um, <laughs> yes. Um, after several um, mitigations that had to be made, um, everything is going to press. So Joe is currently looking over the soft and hardcover editions, like the prototype, so to speak. Um, working out any other kind of things as far as uh, certain lighting and the artwork. All of that, uh, it's down to those details, but the prototypes are there. And uh, so once once he works out what's, what remains, then it's it's on. Yeah. So uh, shooting for that, that March release. Okay. Which yeah, is, if yeah. not April, as far as like how, however fast the mail system works, then that's going to be determining all that. But yeah. Yeah. It's gonna go around the globe, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoever has ordered a copy, um, I know that yeah. Joe and I, because I've talked to him occasionally, you know, um, we talked about getting an edition created for the Legends Con. So he's gonna make some, you know, paper jackets and everything for a special edition. So that's the one that I said, please, can you reserve that one for me? Because <laughs> I want that one with our lovely logo on it. So yeah, I'm pretty excited. But 
what are some details you can give us about supernatural encounters now that it's so close to being available for everyone? Not as much as you would hope, I'm sure. <laughs> um, as far as the time that it's taken, um, we've had to go through it a lot. And, and once once you, I guess, as far as uh, what I guess I'm roundabout way of saying to everybody who's the best of their time and efforts and, and excitement in, is that when it arrives, it's going to be damn near perfect. I mean, really tried. Yeah. Um, and every detail is going to show, and it's coming up pretty soon. So I'm, I'm hoping that the world's excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, remind people yeah. kind of just the timelines in the book. Um, we're we're talking uh, um, after darkness, coming up on Bay of the Jedi, and there's that period as far as the present, and then it it dances. It's actually as far as the timeline of the book. We're, we're talking like ancient times too. Um, I'm not gonna actually spoil where anything ends. Uh, okay. <laughs> At so, least the beginning, yeah. Yeah, you can start, um, yeah, in the beginning, yeah. actually. It's the very beginning. Yeah, it's supernatural <laughs> encounters. Yes, yeah, so in the first, and some some things don't have to be like spoilers because it's, it was already released. Um, the first the rough draft now as it's known mm -hmm. um but yeah we're going back to the the start of of the uh sky river galaxy what is what we know is as the star wars universe yeah or a uh, galaxy in particular yeah and how is how is the audio drama going because you're also in charge of the audio drama yes oh it's going excellent <laughs> actually uh we're pretty uh, far along with uh, the narration process, and um, uh, Robert is is doing that process with us, uh, Newsom, and um, it's it's going to sound pretty pretty amazing. <laughs> Who else have you been recording with? We have a large group. Uh, I'll disclose as far as like um, everybody's names and stuff soon here, but you're one of them. <laughs> I'm one of them. Yay! I'm <laughs> How many women yeah. are there in Star Wars? Come on, let's be real. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> There's a lot of women in Star Wars. I'm just kidding, obviously. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a joke from Family Guy when it's like when Mom Motho comes on screen and they're like, look, another woman. And then Lois characters yeah. Leia's like, I don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> so... Oh yeah, and I I think that there's there's plenty of um ladies in Star Wars. Uh, shout out to Swoterista, one of the board members of Legends Consortium. Um, if anybody hasn't been following along, or if you've missed a couple episodes, Lisa and I are both board members. Uh, I'm the co-owner of Legends Consortium. Take it away, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, so Legends Con, guys, it's really ramping up. We've already confirmed a couple guests. So we've uh, confirmed Sean Stewart, first of all, awesome this. Uh, guys may yeah. have remembered we did a dark rendezvous a, a, a while ago um I, yeah. I, I learned something about sean which i had wish i had known at the time was uh he actually wrote that book in two months so that explains a few things um <laughs> and then um <laughs> we we have uh corinna she's also she's the writer for legacy comic legacy three uh she's confirmed um uh, we also we haven't 
officially released it yet, but Joe from Supernatural Encounters, uh, he will be coming uh, for sure. And I think that's super awesome. Um, We have another Joe. I can't say which Joe yet because we haven't technically locked him in, but he's dating one of the board members. (laughs) I mean, she's going to be there. He's going to be there. And then we actually... Um, my voice is giving out already. <clears throat> we, oh, no. We've also actually had a heavy hitter. We're just, we're not quite ready to announce who <laughs> it is, uh, mostly because we're working out all the details. But he contacted our email saying, hey, like, I've heard about you. I want in. So, yeah. it's, like, all of us yesterday were just like big grins on our face, like, this, yeah. it's working. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> You know, yeah. so it's super Massive exciting. Su- surprises as far as um, celebration of the expanded universe, the yes. true celebration of it, and massive surprises for everyone. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's super yes. exciting. So if you guys haven't already checked out our, our last episode where we had Catherine, the executive director, on, um, where we did, you know, we talked about the Ko-Fi or coffee fundraiser. I keep calling it Ko-Fi now. Um, and if you guys still want to check that out, I also mentioned in that episode that if you enter it and then let us know either through the email legends library, at podcast at gmail.com that, and I'll throw an extra vote for you guys. Um, when we start to kind of get into our part of the Jedi book giveaway, which is part of our, our X-Wing series when we resume it, but, uh, you know. <laughs> we gotta have there's an ongoing voice. joke between us I listeners <laughs> um that we will get through it <laughs> somehow some there's, way like <laughs> yes because there's there's only so much top gun that you can handle i'll say it i'm just gonna say it and i love it but it's just like there's so much and and like like topics of what we're going to be covering tonight just going to be da, da, da. the tenebris way yeah i am so excited for for what we're gonna do tonight it's gonna be different um but yeah stay tuned for more legends con uh keep an eye on the facebook page twitter and the discord because i'm always posting more of the the guest information and you know like all the details about the con um and of course that's going to be in Burbank, California, September 9th and 10th of 2023. So you can see me and you can see Kyle there and we can all have a nice chat about Legends and Legends Library and you know have a great fun time. So but yeah, today's episode <clears throat> we are doing Hannibal's Way as Kyle mentioned. So I love this story like so much <laughs> i don't know about you but yeah you're nodding you're nodding it's it's one of the best short stories of them all able agreed able pina has some that that will will stand to this but i i do love the story in particular uh and it's dark <laughs> and it's grim and it's so many um explanations about midichlorians that Frankly, like, you know, there's there's a lot of information in the lore, but the amount that's packed into the story yes. that we get, you know, it's it's wonderful. Yeah. So. Yeah. And of course, so when I first came across this was when we did Shatterpoint on on Legends mm-hmm. Library. And I was like, I want to know more about Matthew Silver because 
wow, his writing style just blew me away. And, you know, I saw, like, the entry, like, the little, like, oh, he also did this. And, of course, it's in the Star Wars Insider magazine, which I own no copies of, like, because, I mean, I joined Star Wars uh, Legends a little bit later. And I managed to get a friend to, you know, download a copy. And I was like, I just need this story. You know, I wish I, he had given me the whole uh, magazine. But he, then he sent me screenshots. So that's been my experience of Star Wars Insider, <laughs> which has been pretty limited. But you have a copy of it. So I'm very jealous. Yeah. The only things that I collect with the Legends banners are just things that weren't done in the past. That's it. So the volume one of the uh, the fiction collection which which they named you know very odd but yeah all the same i'll be reading from this they they did a very nice layout with the artwork i must say so yes well so let's get into our our book narration because oh i love the art so yeah the art is by yeah. brian rude uh you can check out his website. Um, I've got it written down. I'll read it at the end. <clears throat> Full page layouts and stuff. I don't yeah. know what you can see. Look at that go. lovely yeah, moon. Oh, doesn't he put yeah. a smile on your face? <laughs> yeah, and they made sure to put it on, on every page. There's the gentleman himself. You know, they'll know he's, oh, gosh, there we there go. There he goes. Yeah. And it's nice to just be able to hold it um, and whatnot. Anyway, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so ready for this book. So, well, Novella, short, short story. Short story, yeah. Short, so what short, we're doing today, guys, story. instead of my <laughs> usual typical reading and then paraphrasing all the stuff, we're actually just going to read it because I feel that not enough people have read the short story. So why not? When in, when in uh, Alderaan. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> yeah. Zing! <laughs> <laughs> so Tenebrous Way by Matthew Stover. Okay, so now we're going to get finally into our book review. We just had a slight technical problem, which uh, you'll notice there's a break in the edit that <laughs> that has happened. So, yeah, just a little bit. So, this evening in this podcast, we are discussing Tenebrous Way, which is found in Star Wars Insider 130. Um, this first was published in December 2011. So, this story picks up a little section that's going to be appearing in the book Darth Plagueis by James Luceno. So, and in that story, it's so this basically takes place in 67 BBY, and it's Tenebrous and his apprentice Darth Plagueis, and they've traveled to the planet Baldemnik, which, and they're there to kind of investigate a load of cortosis, and something happens in the cave where the M2 mining probe droid uh, has been sabotaged by the subtext mining, and this is basically what happens from this situation. So, by Matthew Stover. Dying, Tenebris observed with mild surprise, was turning out to not only be pleasant, but wholly wonderful. Had he ever suspected how much he'd enjoyed the process, he wouldn't have wasted all these decades waiting for his foolish apprentice Plagueis to do him in. So even as he lay gasping around the icy barbs that pierced his lung, Tenebris smiled. Even with the jerking and convulsing, convulsing of his body's last reflexes rebelling against the pall of eternal night, even as his organ systems shut down one by one to maintain the last shreds of light and life within the vast intricacies of his brain massive beyond even those of other bests, 
people justly legendary for their intellectual prowess, Tenebris found himself particularly enjoying the incremental disappearance of his own midi-chlorians. <clears throat> his forced perception was even more acute than the magnifying powers of his enormous eyes in the forest. He could feel each individual midi-chlorian wink out in turn, a spreading wave of darkness, like stars eclipsed by the silhouette of an approaching ship or falling through the event horizon of a black hole. Ah, darkness. Darkness at last. The darkness he had dreamed of. The darkness he had planned for. The darkness that was his one true love. The darkness he had taken his name. Was he not Darth Tenebrous? Over to you, Kyle. His vision dimmed. His hearing became a rush of wind like static on an electroboater, and then silence. The sole sensation registered by his quivering flesh was the rip of shattered bone and slow suffocation choking his consciousness, as his shredded lung could supply only a fraction of the oxygen required by his massive frame. It hardly mattered. Shielded from suffering by his command of the Force, Tenebris observed the death agony of his physical form with appropriately bitten dispassion. And now his impossibly refined perceptions detected the brush of Plagueis' mind as the apprentice probed the vanishing midichlorians of his dying master with his own use of the force, as Tenebris knew he would, had known he would. Tenebris has, had spent decades making sure that Plagueis would be unable to resist doing exactly that. Everything was proceeding according to plan. Foolish, pathetic Plagueis. Tenebris' moon apprentice would never comprehend his own limitations. These limitations were only peripherally due to the unfortunate tendency of moons as a species to measure every interaction as a transaction to be manipulated for maximum profit. No, Plagueis' real weakness was fear. Fear so deep and all-pervasive that the fool did not even register it as emotion. Again and again, as across the decades of his apprenticeship, Plagueis had insisted that his fear was not fear at all, instead claiming it to be merely rational prudence. But Tenebris knew the truth had always known it, and Everest was ch had chosen his apprentice specifically because of it. Plagueis was afraid to die. How interesting. So this is a, a section that I've actually not read because <laughs> the ripped version I was given was missing two pages. So <laughs> this will be my first time. <clears throat> so this is like, it came to the source. I know, I know. It came I, to the source. I know, I always need Kyle. <laughs> <clears throat> so this is like uh, a reveal for me um, were Tenebris the sort of individual who could experience pity he supposed he might feel some for his apprentice crippled by dread Plagueis would never know the freedom of an unbounded will that was the true legacy of the Bayonite Sith and were Tenebris the sort of individual to be fair minded about such things he would have accepted much of the blame for Plagueis' incapacity as both pity and fairness were entirely alien to his nature, though Tenebris instead pleasurably recalled the relentless needing of his apprentice across their long, long years together. He had pricked constantly at Plagueis' sore spot to make certain it would never heal. But, well, that's something we definitely see that <clears throat> Plagueis does to uh, Palpatine and Palpatine does to Vader. <clears throat> oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely their traits, yeah. Not even animals fear death, Plagueis. The lowliest beast in existence exhibits more rational prudence than you ever have. They fear only pain and injury, bright lights and loud noises. You are 
less than a beast. You're more mere concept and one you do not understand. Thus was the ground carefully prepared. Thus did the seed of Pelagus's fear sprout and blossom into obsession. Thus had Tenebris skillfully redirected his apprentice's unparalleled aptitude for midichlorian manipulation away from the deepening of insight, from the intuition of the future, and from the amassing of personal and political power away from any and all pursuits that might have been proven inconvenient for Tenebris's ultimate plan toward a single goal. What a long sentence. <clears throat> the goal Tenebris had chosen for his own purposes, the mastery of life and death. Yeah, and it's it's funny that he um that you know of, of course it's very much true, but it's one of the general themes of Star Wars is that all Sith fear death. Yeah, <laughs> in some way or another, the whole purpose is to master death and be able to um, transcend it to continue to ma- manipulate the present. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's like it's very true and cutting, but uh, it's also incredibly hypocritical, right? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, more than a century before, when Tenebris had been put when when Tenebris had been but a Sith apprentice himself, the magnificent computational power of his Bith brain had led him far beyond the simplistic force studies imposed on him by his master. He had always been far too intelligent to be seduced by the traditional Sith metaphysical twaddle of dark destiny and the witless <laughs> fantasy of endless war against the equally witless Jedi Order. Soon he had confirmed to his own satisfaction the dark side of the Force, far from being some malevolent mystic sentient bent on spreading suffering throughout the galaxy, was in truth merely an energy source and a tool with which he could impose his will upon reality. It was a sort of natural amplifier he could use to multiply the effectiveness of his many useful abilities. He uses use a lot. None of of which was more useful than his matchless intellect. (laughs) One of my peeves is when when people use the same word a couple times in the same paragraph. Exactly the same way. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) But it it is, he's really like um, focusing on on the power of his, his, um, baseline mental capacity which is you know we're going to see that here in a little bit yeah. too like many sith before him he had turned his powers toward knowledge of the future but unlike any sith before him he had the enormous brain of his people which combined sheer brute processing power with a level of analytic precision simply beyond the capacity of any other species again remarking so much on his bith abilities mm-hmm. the future was always in motion and while other sith struggled to foresee the faintest least specific hints of what was to come, Tenebris had no need to see the future. He could calculate it. While still merely an apprentice, his analysis had shown him the inevitable end of the Bainite Sith and its preposterous rule of two. His calculations plainly indicated the coming of a shadow so vast it would darken the galaxy entirely. So vast it would mark the end of both Jedi and Sith as the universe had known them heretofore. The rise of the shadow would be the end of history itself. Tenebris had not the slightest doubt that the entire galaxy would measure time according to his arrival, and events would be marked by how far they had preceded the shadow or by how long after it they followed. I like that he talks about the Bainite Sith. So obviously, you know, the Sith that derive from Darth Bane's line. I wish we knew Mm -hmm. more about those that followed after Cognos and 
And like, there's just like that gap in history that we just don't have anything. Then yeah. we get Tenebris. We have then, some names. Yeah, like there's Dark, a couple here and there, but it's not like Darth Gravid. Yeah. yeah. But nothing. Yeah, Darth Gravid and like a couple others, but yeah, it's it's definitely pretty um scattered. But anyway. Yeah, I should continue. Uh, <clears throat> Though the exact nature of the great shadow remained occult, the remorseless logic of his extrapolation detailed the coming destruction of the Baynite system and the rise of what would become known as the One Sith. One Sith! Woo! The conclusion was so yeah, obvious. Knew it. Yeah, right? The conclusion was so obvious as to require no confirmation. One single Sith Lord would arise of such power that he'd have no need of any apprentice nor fear of the Jedi. He would take and hold the galaxy by his own hand alone. Without an apprentice or a Jedi, a Jedi order to destroy him, the one Sith would rule forever. <clears throat> a heady prospect with only a single drawback. Tenebris was not to be that Sith Lord. His own death was clearly foretold, entirely inevitable, and it would precede the rise of the Shadow by decades. His fate was explicit in the numbers. And numbers do not lie. However, as Tenebris came eventually to realize over his many years of research, contemplation, and calculation, it might be possible for the numbers in question to be, well, deceived. I like that. The key, mm -hmm. the key he discovered lay in an obscure legend obliquely referenced in the Journal of the Wills. What? That's cool. Mm -hmm. I haven't read this part. Uh, about a hero fairly typical in most cultures the sort of promised future savior who appears in the fund, sorry, foundational myths of nearly every developed society. What distinguished this particular savior from his run-of-the-mill equivalents was that he, according to four of eleven possible translations, was to be born of pure force. After three standard years devoted to specifically exploring all possible permutations of the interpretation, Tenebris determined that such a birth was indeed possible, at least metaphorically, born of pure force, could be read as indicating the creation of a living being through direct manipulation of midichlorian processes in an already living being. Which we know is Anakin. Which we know is Anakin. <laughs> uh, what I love about this whole text is like, the guy's dying, and look how intellectual he still has to be. He's like, I'm still the smartest <laughs> in the room. <laughs> Yeah, and the fact the fact is that he did um, predict everything, and the shadow can be con perceived as what so many different things because there's the, the darkness that like you know it's it, yeah. could it be Anakin, sure, the Emperor, um, crate at this point too because he, he he guessed the, the one Sith, so there could be like a lot of interpretation with that as well. Yeah. <clears throat> um, continue. Uh, yeah, and further, as Tenebris discovered with rising excitement. Such a being's force potential might be limited not by its creator's own midichlorian count, but instead only by its creator's level of discipline and attention to detail. Indeed, his calculations indicated a range of potentially far beyond his own. With proper execution, the savior might have a midichlorian count as high as 15,000, perhaps even more. It might be possible to create a being with the greatest force potential ever recorded. Remind me, do you remember what Anakin's was? I can't think. Oh, I wish I could off the top of my head. It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Even Yoda doesn't have one that counts. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, it's um, it's it's clearly like potentially Sathari. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, look well, at it. Yeah. I mean, however you look at it, whether Anakin was chosen for the light or for the dark, you know, it had to be balanced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take it away, Kyle. Um. So. We were at, and by the application of his own. Yeah. Yes? Okay. And by the application of his own suitably subtle variation of the ancient mm -hmm. Sith brute force essence transfer, aha, mm -hmm. shout out for the um, the force essence transfer, yeah. Tenebris could ensure that his own consciousness would be present at the creation of this being, this savior, this chosen one. When Plagueis mm -hmm. is manipulating the force with, mm -hmm. with Palpatine and Plague, uh, in the novel Plagueis and all that. Mm -hmm. So even right then and there, right, him making fun of, um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Plagueis that whole time, as far as calling him an animal, like being afraid of death, it's yeah, like, yeah. look at him clinging, yeah. clinging. <laughs> well, and then Plagueis to, is the one now. who actually is able to do all this with, like, his own intelligence. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Hmm. So he wants to be there for this moment. And and that's important later on. Mm. And at the moment of creation, long before the chosen one could hope to resist, Tenebris would seize it, would become it. With this single stroke, decades after his body's death, he would become the most powerful force user in the history of the galaxy. It was all there in the numbers. He could not possibly fail. Mm -hmm. See, this is what's cool one about him. Out, it's like he can't see past any of this like he like he's dying and he's like it's still i'm not gonna fail on him, him his his confidence and his ability to calculate we're gonna come back to it it's mm -hmm. gonna it's gonna pop up in here um uh, yeah so once his analysis had been parsed to its nth degree polished into a gem perfect beyond the possibility of flaw Tenebris had devoted every second of every day of his life then to fulfilling his plan. Nothing would be left to chance. He had exterminated his doddering master with his customary efficiency and had embarked immediately on a decade-spanning quest for an apprentice of his own. And not just an apprentice, but the apprentice. One possessed of a very specific combination of particular skills, <laughs> primarily surrounding the direct perception and manipulation of midichlorian activity, but also a range of weaknesses, from short-sighted concern with personal profit to an unconquerable dread of the unknown realms beyond the walls of death. Whenever an I see that, that, you know, combination of particular skills, it just, like, use Liam Neeson, you know, taken. That's all I thought. Sorry. No, you're good. An apprentice whose sole purpose was to create the tenebrous um, the being Tenebris would finally become. So he he won. You know what I mean? They were they accidentally did create Anakin, of course, and all that. But he wanted to be that um, that actual being, which is crazy. He wanted to hitch along for the ride, and then become birth and transcend. Thus would Darth Tenebris, the greatest mind in the history of the Sith, be reborn to rule uh, to rule the galaxy forever. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean. His plan's pretty good. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. He yeah. uh, did steal it from Bane, though. Like, let's be real. Like, his his originality is, like, the essence transfer. Uh, you know, Bane tried to do that with, with Zana, and 
obviously failed, but or did yeah, you know, it's an old school, old school techniques. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, I mean, obviously he probably knew about it because he's part of the Bay Night line, so you know they probably talked about it. Or would you talk about it because you would have to tell your apprentice, and then the apprentice would be aware of it and then resist you. So it's like, or did he, you know? When you're supposed to make the perfect blade, but yeah, <laughs> you don't want it to be too sharp. There's yeah. the uh, <laughs> the whole argument of of the uh, rule of two, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So now that his body's physical senses had altogether perished, Tenebrous found his perception of the forest to be proportionally heightened. With glorious precision, he could trace the slightest wisp of Pelagus' clumsy force probing as his apprentice sought to record and analyze every detail of Tenebrous' death. He could feel Plagueis himself crouched nearby, his eyes closed, the long spiderish fingers of one hand stretched forth as though to snatch Tenebrous's disappearing midichlorians from mid-air. This was Plagueis's customary technique, how very serial killer of him. A close <laughs> examination <laughs> through yeah. the force, right? Like, he's, just, he's crouched like, oh, I'm over here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the guy we live we, we love him. You know, he's Plagueis. He's all... Him. Yeah, I hey. like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, your life's slipping away. <laughs> we get a selfie. <laughs> we love him. <laughs> <That's weird. clears throat> uh, a close examination through the force of the midichlorian decay that accompanied the physical death of his victims. Tenebrous was by far the most powerful force user whose death Plagueis had the opportunity to observe. And he had known all along that his apprentice would apply all his physical, mental, and force capabilities, pitiful as they might be, to witness each slightest detail. As though midichlorians somehow embodied the principle of life itself, they vanished as life fled. Plagueis had more than once speculated that they somehow migrated from dying cells and returned to rejoin the force from which they had sprung more evidence of the apprentice's muddy thinking and pathetically romanticized mysticism, but no matter. The delusion of the student had proven an inspiration to the teacher, and the concept of midichlorian migration, flawed though it was, became the key to Tenebrous's masterstroke. <clears throat> Amidst the billions upon billions of individual midichlorian deaths in Tenebrous's cells were a tiny fraction of midichlorians that were not dying that would not die so as long as they inhabited a living host. <clears throat> These especially tenacious midichlorians, Tenebrous, had privately labeled them with the jesting sobriquet Maxichlorian, had been altered, improved. It would not be an overstatement, in Tenebrous's opinion, to use the word perfected. These Maxichlorians would indeed migrate, but not into the fourth. They would migrate into Plagueis. <clears throat> So this is our our first, this is our first mention of Maxichlorian mm-hmm. ever, um, which is yep. interesting. Yeah, and um, Tenebris is all kinds of rapey with him, with uh, with <laughs> Mr. Plagueis there. Yeah, yeah. So he's to to be able to continue his his consciousness, he's going to pervade um, Plagueis's body here. Yeah. With these Maxichlorians, and again, this is the cool stuff, though, because we we get we do know some about midichlorians throughout the lore, of course, but it's it's nice that we get so much right here, especially people who are um 
um, we're not just learning of it. They were, they were toying with it. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, we got exactly. a little bit more fun with it um, here. Well, but, and he was the one who, t- you know, coined the term maxi chlorine. And he's the only one who ever uses the term because he's the only one ever thought of it and the only one tried to use it and died in the process of using it. So it just never crops up again. Um, so if you would like to continue. <clears throat> and I and I always think, too, like when, when we say that things don't pop up, I'm like, I always think eventually it would have, you know, if if. If, if things never ended, I, it would have come back. You know, yeah. Somebody would have yeah. like revisited his work or something. So, you know what I mean? The possibilities yeah. were on back then. Oh, for sure. Um, so uh, these max chlorians would indeed migrate, but not into the forest. <clears throat> they would migrate into Plagueis. To detect this... Yeah, yeah, we're, this is where I'm at. Yeah. Okay, cool. To detect this, infi- this infinitesimal percentage would require the precision of a bit. It was far beyond his apprentice's limited perceptions, and indeed Tenebris had gone to considerable trouble to ensure it would always remain so. Under always underestimating people. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a instead of actually training Yep, instead of actually training his doltish apprentice, Tenebris had flattered Plagueis' mysticism while pricking his insecurities, sending him off on one useless, doomed to fail mission after another. In turn, Tenebris had invested every available second of the freedom this afforded into, into designing, creating, and deploying the one weapon Plagueis would never suspect, could never suspect. His own prejudices about the Force ensured Plagueis wouldn't believe such a thing was possible. Tenebris created a retrovirus, a retrovirus that could infect midichlorians. And here we go, down the rabbit hole. Midichlorians were, after all, merely symbiotic organelles that, con- that contribute to the organic processes of the living cells they inhabit. Due to their role in force interactions, altering them was singularly challenging. They had an unsettling tendency to spontaneously express unexpected and unfor- unfortunate side effects, much like, you know, real molecules. Too. All right. But by applying the full analytic prowess of his vast bith brain and the preternatural power of his bith senses to detect and resolve sub-microscopic structure, he eventually succeeded in creating a retrovirus that would transform normal midichlorians into long-lived maxichlorians. So, yes, his virus was to infect, and this was how he improved them. But that was only the beginning. But that was only the beginning. With the patient painstaking attention to the slightest, most insignificant detail that was his hallmark, Tenebris had encoded his custom retrovirus with his most potent weapon, his own consciousness. Once completed, Tenebris had released the virus into his own bloodstream. It had spread throughout his body, infecting midichlorians in every one of his cells with gratifying alacrity. Not all his midichlorians, though, as the infected maxichlorians no longer fully functioned. To infect them all would have cut his off his own connection from the force. A partial severance of this connection was a necessary sacrifice, however, and through an extended process of trial and error, he was able to fine-tune the effect and confine it to one sector of his force powers he no longer needed, his ability to sense the motion of the future. Dun, dun, dun. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because he thought that he could calculate that. Sh- yeah. It's all about <laughs> numbers, right? Like the what? vanity. 
Yeah. The vanity. He, so it's like, all right, cool. I'm going to give up part of myself. Yeah. Cut off part of myself. To be able to pull this off. To like, be able to. <laughs> you think that <laughs> that's the one skill virus. you're like, oh, maybe I won't give that up. The fact that I could see the future, like, and prevent uh-huh. a lot of problems. Uh, like, surely there was something else. It's almost. It's almost like there's a theme here. Yeah. With the set. <laughs> yeah. This idiocy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and like he says uh, here of what possible use was the ability to see a future he already knew because he was like i'm already gonna take over i'm so smart i am so smart smrt wait smrt <laughs> i'm quoting homer simpson let's be real <laughs> uh, so crazy no. yeah <laughs> all right do you want to do you want to read this part now, dead at last, he could begin to enjoy the fruits of his lifelong labor. In the force, he could feel that his body had already suffered irreversible brain death, yet his consciousness remained fully aware, fully functional, and connected to the force in a manner more intimate than he had ever believed possible. Freed now of the crude biological processes that mark the passage of time, Tenebris found he could perceive the measured tick of each individual nanosecond while simultaneously comprehending the entire sweep of galactic eons. Besides Tenebris' corpse, as Plagueis carefully observed the vanishing of Tenebris' midichlorians, maxichlorians were being subtly and invisibly carried across the intervening space to settle in Plagueis' eyes and mouth, on his skin, and into an open wound on his back, where they entered the apprentice's bloodstream and slipped into his cells, releasing their viral cargo of Tenebris's mind. Perfect. And what made it even more perfect was that his apprentice would never comprehend the ironic pun of the name Tenebris had given him. Plagueis. The, the diseased, diseased one. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good name choice. Mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> and he's... He's, um... <laughs> he's in the middle of it at this point. Yeah. He's yeah. trying... Yeah. You want to pick up after this because he's he's invading Plagueis. <laughs> but it's kind of a wild name that like Plagueis never quite clued into his name being Plagueis. Like, why'd you name me that? You know, are you saying I'm a plague? No, you're not a plague. You're just a stupid Sith. <laughs> like, like he has no faith in in Plagueis at all, and that's like the wild part of 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 this like situation and like let's not forget he had another apprentice he was training that other beth venomous or what was it yeah vehemous venomous whatever his name was uh who obviously failed um in the future like all this tend to do i guess hmm. so driven by the dark side powered will of the sith master the retrovirus propagated with incredible speed as it carried his consciousness throughout the apprentice's body Tenebris found himself becoming pleasurably aware, how pervy, that he was gaining access to Plagueis' sensorium. He could literally feel what Plagueis felt, both the coldly clinical satisfaction at having successfully engineered Tenebris' murder and the forced perception that let Plagueis monitor the last vanishing remnants of Tenebris' uninfected midichlorians. Full access to his apprentice's forced perceptions. Delightful better than Tenebris had allowed himself to hope. Hmm, perhaps he should have invested some time in actually training the foolish moon 
Tapping Plagueis' force powers would be more entertaining if they weren't so stunted from disuse. And yet, that's the wild part. He's, now he's finally cluing in, being like, oh, maybe I made a mistake here. I, but, you know, I can control this guy's body in the future, so problem solved. Or is it? <laughs> so as he continued to explore, Tenebris gradually became aware of the full range of his apprentice's connection to the Force which was considerably deeper, broader, and more powerful than Tenebris had ever suspected. He reflected with a twinge of uncomfortable premonition that perhaps Plagueis had been right where he contended that Tenebris had always underestimated him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So now Tenebris touched upon his apprentice's power of foresight, which were also vastly more developed than Tenebris's had believed. For a moment, Tenebris found his perception cast far forward in time to Pelagus' own death at the hands of his apprentice, who was himself visible only as a smear of darkness, a shadow. I love that line. Just a shadow. Like, yeah, if you want to pick up here. For an instant, Tenebris felt the death, an- the death anguish of Plagueis and felt the searing agony Plagueis felt at his failure to have created the force user Tenebris was to become. He would allow his own apprentice to kill him too soon. This could not be. It could not be contemplated, much less allowed to come to pass. Here he competed with panic as Tenebris threw his mind at the future, seeking to understand how it was Plagueis who be so complacent and so foolish and mm-hmm. so blind. So he sees that, that he's going to screw it up, and he's... The searing truth was driven home by the gathering darkness to cloud his borrowed foresight. Soon, all he could see of the future was a hazy smear of shadow as the retrovirus he had become infected Plagueis' every cell. Cell. The retrovirus he had allowed to sacrifice his ability to gaze forward in time and had thus robbed his apprentice of his power to sense the future. Yeah. Oh, it comes back to bite you in the butt. Well, it's crazy because, like... Like, yeah, because he gave up the ability to see the the future, he only gets it for that one brief moment when he taps into Plagueis and then screws up Plagueis. <laughs> so, like, oh, it's just this little, uh, it's such a simple thing that he did, and he doomed the Sith. I mean, they still got Palpatine in the end. Point of view, he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, well, the Sith could have been much more powerful had Plagueis not died when he died. I'm just saying, we don't know. We'll never know. Um, I still think that, well, I've got a theory, but we can talk about that at the end. Are we at, which would seal his own doom as well. And had thus robbed his apprentice of his power to sense the future, which would seal his own doom as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So crazy. Yeah. His single-minded pursuit of eternal life and supreme power had accomplished only this. He would be destroyed by his own triumph. How Sith. How very Sith, though, right? Now, yes. Now, wholly giving himself over to panic, Tenebris turned his will upon undoing the damage. This is what's surprising. He actually tries to fix the situation um, he had yeah. done. 
With all his multiplied power, he yanked his maxi-chlorians back out from Plagueis' body in a spray of force energy from his eyes, his mouth, the wound, and every other cell. He had to think. He had to find a way out. Perhaps he didn't? Perhaps there wasn't one. Perhaps the best way he could hope was for the slow, inevitable extinction of his consciousness. As his maxi-chlorians, too, faded and winked out then at least he would no longer have to squirm in the agony of self-inflicted defeat if his maxichlorians were going to fade. Yeah, that's a big if. So obviously, they did. <laughs> so, yeah. Because it dawned on him that he wasn't sure exactly how long the process should take, but he certainly didn't seem to be losing consciousness. He reached out with the force. Perhaps he could sense something, anything, or even contact Plagueis, somehow make his presence known, as his apprentice would never allow him to survive, no matter how reduced his powers might be. All right, take it away, Kyle. Plagueis wasn't there. Not only had Plagueis somehow vanished, Tenebris could sense no trace of him ever having been here at all. What was happening? How could this be? The only trace of organic life Tenebris could sense were some ancient mummified remains. Of a bit. Crazy. How long had he been here? How long would it take for every trace of Plagueis to vanish? Those remains were years old, decades, perhaps centuries old. Tenebris wondered with dawning horror if his retrovirus might have somehow mutated, if its effects on the Maxichlorians might go somehow deeper than excision of foresight. What if his eternal life would be this? Yeah. yeah. Do you want to finish this out here? Sure. Or, or worse. Or worse. What if his foresight hadn't been eliminated, but had been somehow twisted in upon itself? What if his remains were ancient because this was the thousandth time he had relived this death and the shattering revelation of his lifelong self-deception? What if this was the millionth time he had relived it? The billionth? Then he knew... And at that moment, he wished he still had a mouth, because he really, really needed to scream. Dying, Tenebris observed with mild surprise, was turning out not only to be pleasant, but wholly wonderful. Had he ever suspected how much he'd enjoy the process, he wouldn't have wasted all these decades waiting for his foolish apprentice, Plagueis, to do him in. I love that ending, how it just goes back right to the beginning with the same words. Yeah. And that is Tenebris's way. Whew. What a story. What a story. But like, okay, so I was thinking, obviously, these Maxichlorians did get through. We don't we can't confirm because this is the only time it appears in the material. So if it did go through, then it affected Palpatine, which is why Sidious was never able to really see that. Vader was going to kill him in that moment because, like, he seems very surprised when Vader finally picks him up and chucks him off and he falls to his death. Like, he doesn't look like he's, you know, expecting it. Like, or he would have been more killing Vader instead of killing Luke in that moment, just saying. Really interesting theory because there's so much that happens when they, when they create Anakin, so yeah. to speak. Um, and yeah, who's to say, yeah, that's an interesting theory. Yeah. Well, even it's like it's part of Plagueis. So yeah. 
Well, even with the other, um, oh my goodness, like the what if comics, you know, the, the, the new hope infinities, like even in that he didn't see Vader's Vader's going to kill him. Like, obviously it's a known fact that the apprentice tries to kill the master. But again, he didn't do anything to stop it. Like I always and, thought that maybe part of Bane's essence transfer had kind of gotten through, but and, you know. Well, and it's it's um yeah, never mind, never mind. <laughs> um, yeah, never mind. Yeah, no, it's just his. Ah, <sighs> what a story, though. And like, I love that it's like the millionth, the billionth. How many times mm-hmm. constantly thinking in this dark, gloomy cave? And Plagueis is long dead, obviously. <laughs> like, so is yeah. everyone else. Like, <laughs> And it's that, that theme with the Sith, you know, as far as just trying to conquer death. And then the, uh, you know. And realizing death is nice. Cold dish. <laughs> yeah, the cold dish saying, like, well this kind of sucks and like sure we did transcend death but to what end yeah and then you know half of them always get messed up (laughs) (laughs) they're like oh we finally found you i will ensnare you and then (laughs) they're like defeated horribly (laughs) you know sounds like a lot of relationships (laughs) yeah yeah cheers to being 35 yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy We're Valentine's doing our podcast Day. instead of doing this. <laughs> yeah. This has become uh Kyle and our, our our tradition is to record every Valentine's yeah. Day now instead of ever having to think of any other plans if we're single. Because uh, <laughs> it's just like no, we don't we don't have to worry about love and you know, being alone with our cats. <laughs> we got each other on Valentine's Day. And we talk Star Wars, so. <laughs> yep. Just the way to do it. Ah. <laughs> now, now that we've talked about Tenebris, uh, just, just a little fun deviating off the topic. Some of the favorite power couples. Um, I put on Twitter today, you know, like, who's your favorite power couple? Um, a lot of people like Mirex and Corrin. Um, Lando and, um, oh my gosh. I just blanked on her name. Tendra. So who would yours be? Your favorite, not Luke, Mara, Legends couple. Oh, there's a lot to choose from. I would have said Jaina and Zek. (laughs) (laughs) Unpopular opinion, because I really liked where they were going, and then it was so sad when... When Jane was just like, like kind of like shove off, bro. No, <laughs> no. Um, my favorite power couple was was um was definitely Anakin and Tahiri. Oh yes. Oh. That's that's always been. It's like a toss up. I loved um uh, Ben and Vistara too, but like as far as the absolute like number one, just because of like I love Tahiri and the way that Jason with her. Yeah. Um afterwards uh, and how Anakin dies and that whole like you know missed opportunity and and people say that like oh my god they wasted a character and it's like did they I don't think they wasted Anakin at all when when he died um just kind of being on that topic anyway it's like uh has there ever been like that kind of a martyr and the way that they used him 
moving forward it's just like i now something like that had to happen it's just like well the young one went first and yeah um i think yeah and and i i love that it 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 made everything else believable yeah. you know His as far as like hans almost... Kohler, like just going nuts like yeah. uh, the whole thing everything it made it all you know yeah realistic and um tragic and and more um yeah, I don't know, like like modern day war. Well, his death Not is more significant than his grandfather's death, you know. Like Anakin may have died and you know, got rid of the dark side for a time, but you know, for emotion, obviously Anakin Solo that hit so many more people. Like obviously like Tahiri went to the dark side because she was tempted by him and you know, thanks to Jason and they finally had that. I mean, he did give her that kiss that she so wanted from him, and that was such a hard moment to, to finally see where you know, when they do the flow walking scene, and she finally kisses them all. Bad. <laughs> yeah, weird. that's like one of my favorite sections of that book. But yeah, yeah, it's so sad. It is. Sad. It's so sad. Oh, now we're ending on a sad note. <laughs> no. Uh, but as far as like power couples go to like um the last time that we see Luke and Mara together, you know, and like Mara just like she's already dead, but you know, it just kind of closes out and zooms out like them just talking. Yeah. And, like that one last time. Don't forget she was also <laughs> like, "What woman were you talking to?" and he's like, "Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Abeloth, I guess." <laughs> <laughs> like, he's oh, like some man. other like i i didn't get it and then it was it was deep and it was terrible <laughs> sorry yeah uh luke so innocent yeah always the farm boy and nothing wrong with that i live on a farm just saying <laughs> uh yeah but that Anakin Tahiri, I think, yeah, they're some of my favorites. I love the Ben Vistara coupling. I think they would have made a terrific, you know, continuation of the line of of stories. I, and it's and very sad. I think that's where it was that. going. Yeah, I think that's where it was going. I think Mirta was going to be like the next Boba, um, you know, and they were just going to follow like that Mara and Luke archetype and yeah, this whole hurrah, you know. Yeah, like Ben uh, as a grandmaster and you know, always having to mm-hmm. kind of keep an eye on Vistara and then obviously her trying to kill him all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sith I think happens. it was going to be great. <laughs> yeah, Sith happens, you know? Like, psh. <laughs> yeah, and they, were, they spent so much time building that up, too, and it was it was great. So, yeah, you know, that, would, that was like the... Oh, that was the next era that we were going to get into. It was like, oh my gosh, there's finally, 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 after all this, there's legions of Sith, there's legions of Jedi. Yeah. In the modern timeline, it's like, you know, not counting Legacy, of course, but it's like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything ends, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they wonder why everyone was so upset. It's like, because... It's not even that it necessarily ended. It's just because it was just gone. And, yeah. oh, my God, there was... Uh, we could have just gotten a little bit. 
Just to... <laughs> anyway, It'll I digress. Be. In another galaxy, I'm sure, or a multiverse, we got all the answers and all the books, and we can live happily ever after. But uh, it is not. This is not the way, unfortunately. <laughs> well, that being said, I'm really happy we uh, we talked today about Tannerbrus's way. Um, what is interesting with the story is, you know, the fact that they were killed. Or sorry, Tenebris was killed and Plagueis was a- almost killed through those actions. Um, it then eventually would lead him to go to Naboo and find his own apprentice. So it all was like this little cyclical thing that happened and, you know, continuing the Sith. And but and if you guys haven't listened, I- I've pushed this before. And Kyle, I don't know if you've done it yet, but the... The audio drama or the audiobook for Plagueis is so incredible. So incredible. I, I, I always push it because I don't know if you've listened to it yet. Um, have you listened to it yet? Okay. Uh, that's, that's one of the few that I've heard like more than twice. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them just are terrible. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like, some of them are just terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just can't. Just can't. And like when they're abridged, I just does nothing for them. Yes, I agree. But I I agree. Yeah, you still most of them you hear like at least once just to. I'm like that person. Like you know, I'll read any of the anything just to say that I've like got it under my my belt. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to truly dislike anything, but some are rougher than others. (laughs) I tried to listen to Death Troopers, and I'm just like, that guy they chose, for example, I can't remember his name. I haven't listened to it. By the end, it's like, it's okay because you're so used to it that it works in the horror setting, but yeah. for the first, like, few hours, you're just like, <laughs> like, I'm in the car, and I just, like, I want to start scraping the glass on my car window because it's going to sound better. <laughs> and I realized, and it's just like, oh, that's getting it out. Oh, oh, that's a stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> Watch the squirrel. I tease now. Yeah. Uh... Squirrel! <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I don't like that book in general, so I wouldn't even listen to it. Um, oh, I love the book. Well, I, I hate zombies, book. so it's just not up my alley. Yeah. Um, it's deeper than that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's zombies, and I get it, yeah, it is just, it's actually not deeper than that, but, <laughs> um, They're trapped but in it the was ship. a really, really cool story, and, like, Han and Chewie. Yeah, but why were they even the there? Book? It just. Makes sense why Han and Chewie there. It because he didn't read it. Did you read it? I've read it twice. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was like, "What are you talking about?" It makes sense that they're there. Yeah. I just don't remember why they're there. It just felt like they were just kind of thrown in. Well, yeah. You, know, you have to have people that <laughs> you know. You got to sell the book. I mean, like you know, <laughs> Han and Chewie are like, "All right, let's go." Oh my god. <laughs> Like that's zombies. Yeah, that's their rule. They're Space like, zombies. oh, their rule. It's like, oh, oh my, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's great. And the havoc. Yeah. You know, and they, they come to the rescue. It's like I thought it was fun just to watch them like be the good guys. If anything else, like you know, they're always the good guys though. Yeah, fun. yeah, but I mean, I don't know. <sighs> well. 
I mean, I don't know. It's maybe so late. one day we, we'll cover we, the book on here, but it's yeah, the last. On we, my yeah, list. we are troopers, <laughs> listeners. Hope you will not you will not know, but this took us hours because of all the technical difficulties that we had going on with our internet service. Oh my God, yeah, Kyle's <laughs> internet cut out twice. Uh, I was missing a page of the whole mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole material. You live in. You live in the the hills of Canada, and I live in the hills of the United States. I mean, it's just, <laughs> just one sometimes. Of those days. But it's this is what Valentine's is. It's a little bit crazy. It's a little bit invasive. We get through it somehow. <laughs> as long as yeah. you eat some chocolate, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, plenty thereof. Yeah, but so. all right, all right, well. Let's... Let's wrap this one up. So, Kyle, if you could tell the listeners how they can get a hold of you and what you're going to be doing next. Oh, um, on Twitter and Instagram, or I'm sorry, on Twitter and um, Discord, you can get me at Darn Katarn. Um, and then on um, Instagram, you can get me at Left Hand Path 23. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, and what we're doing next, it, we'll, well, I finally finished um, the work with Joe. I was the lead project editor for, for Supernatural Encounters, so that was great. We are finally done. It's at the presses. And now we're working on the audio drama, as well as um, getting Legends Consortium, um, making that reality this September. It's going to be great. I can't wait until we're able to announce the next guests. We're going to do it on our show, too. Um so yes be prepared yeah <laughs> and you know guys uh, tickets are going to be on sale sometime this month hopefully but you can kind of get an advanced ticket if you check out the coffee campaign so it's K-O-F-I uh, at Legends Con uh, I'll post a link here of course um, but yeah and then if, if you want to reach out to us it's legendslibrarypodcast at gmail.com um, if you want to send still Kyle, if you need audio of people screaming, you know, feel free to email that and I'll send it to Kyle or, you know, reach out to him on, uh, on Instagram or Twitter. But yeah. And then you can get a hold of me at Lisa Mountain, uh, on Twitter and Facebook and, uh, Instagram. I mean, why would you want to go on Instagram anyway? It's so weird these days. It's just like all videos. When did it stop being just photos? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just getting old. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <Yep. laughs> but again, everyone, listeners, thank you for tuning in. I'm so happy that we were able to get the story out and to reconnect. So may the force be with you guys. Bye. See ya. That concludes this edition of Legends Library Podcast. To join the discussion, email us at legendslibrarypodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter or Discord at Legends Library. This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for informational or entertainment purposes only. Official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names, sounds, and any other related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights to Disney and respective copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Legends Library podcast, otherwise indicated. Legends Library. There's always a bit of truth in Legends. (laughs) 
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.